All right, we are in the book of Acts. It is week 14 that we are in this series, and we are now in the towards the end of chapter 14. If you got a Bible, go to Acts 14. Yes, we love the Word of God. And so in verse 21, I'm going to read from the message version. If you're taking notes, we're going to title this message, uh, Boundaries, Barriers, and Breakups. Boundaries, Barriers, and Breakups. Some of y'all are like, I already need the altar call right there. I have been struggling with boundaries, barriers, and it's time for a breakup in Jesus' name. Some of y'all just went through a breakup. God's bringing healing to your heart in Jesus' name. So they preached the gospel in that city, and they won a large number of disciples. So they they begin to put grit in the lives of the disciples. I love what what, uh, Luke writes here. He's the author of Acts. He says, we were putting grit. Everybody say grit. Get gritty this year. Grit means... um, It means this strength to handle the hardships. It's the ability, true grit, right? It's the ability to handle the tough times in life. And it says, we urged these new believers to stick with what they had begun to believe and not quit. We're in a society where people are quitting things left and right, quitting a marriage, quitting ministry, quitting their job, quitting the great resignation, quitting, 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 quitting. But you know what? I want to give a shout out to the people who are continuing in the faith, who are continuing in the calling of God on your life, who are continuing. Can I just, can we celebrate everyone in the room who has stayed with something, who has just stayed with what God has called, stayed in a marriage. You've stayed with something and it's not easy. How many of y'all know it's not easy to stay with something? And this is what the, this is what the disciples told these new believers. They said, just stick with it. Just stick with it. It's going to be hard. But stick with it. Anyone signing up for the kingdom of God, anyone signing up for the kingdom of God has to go through plenty of hard times. This is the fine print that we don't always mention when people are getting saved. But we need to remind people this is not easy. Becoming a Christian does not exempt us from hard times. In fact, sometimes becoming a Christian makes makes you go through even more difficult times. But I would rather go through hard times with the Savior than go through hard times on my own. I'd rather go through hard times as a Christian than go through hard times without salvation, without forgiveness of sins, without Jesus being the, the covering. I'd rather go through the difficult times knowing there is an ark that I can run into and the presence of God covers me through life's storms, that he saturates me with his love when I'm walking through hard times. So they said this, we, 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 we warned the new believers of hard times. Paul and Barnabas handpicked leaders in each church. I love that. They were very intentional. They were the HR team. They didn't let anyone have an interview if they weren't in it. They prayed. They fasted. They wanted to know, who are we choosing to lead the church? And then they presented these new leaders to the master to whom they had entrusted their lives. Working their way back, they came and they preached in all these different towns where they had started churches. Go on to the next verse. And finally, they made it on their way back to Antioch, where it all started, coming back to my roots. And they were launched by God's grace from Antioch, and now they were safely back home by God's grace. How many are thankful for God's grace? Just keeping you, just keeping you in the palm of his hands, a good piece of work. And as they came back, they got the whole church together and they reported on their missions trip. 
By the way, we just had a team come back from Costa Rica and they were telling us about their mission trip and they were saying, we saw miracles. We saw hundreds of people get saved. We were able to encourage churches. We were able to strengthen the pastors. I'm so thankful that Victory is not just a local church. We are a global ministry. We're impacting the nations. Every month, we're supporting missionaries in Asia and Europe and Central America, South America. We don't always mention this to you, but we've got so many missions that we're supporting, mission trips, missionaries out there that are literally changing communities, whether it's orphanages or rescue homes for girls or churches that they're planting, Bible schools, hospitals. So they begin to tell everyone what God had done. They weren't bragging on themselves. They were bragging on God. Go ahead and tell people what God's been doing in and through your life. Don't, don't keep your testimony quiet. Then they settled down. At the, at the end of the chapter, it says they settled down leisurely for a long time, hanging out with the disciples. Just make yourself at home. Let's go to Acts 15. Acts 15. It wasn't long before some, right as they were having a good, long, leisurely visit, it wasn't long before some Jews showed up from Judea insisting that everyone be circumcised. <laughs> and if you're not circumcised in the Mosaic fashion, you can't be saved. Now, there was nothing wrong with these Jewish believers who had put their faith in Jesus. The only problem was there was a group of them who wanted to hold on to the old way that they got saved. In their minds, it was Moses who approved of their entrance into being children of God. It was the commandments of Moses. And it wasn't just the 10 commandments because we go, hey, well, Paul, we need the 10 commandments. Yes, we do. But Moses had 613 commandments. And if you study the Old Testament, there was a whole lot of commandments that were very tedious. I mean, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and it was intense. And there was a group of Jewish believers. This was 20 years after the resurrection. 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead, there was these Jewish believers who had put their faith in God, but they were still holding on to the Mosaic law. And they were convinced that external circumcision, if you don't know what circumcision is, ask your mom later after church. And they, they were convinced that external circumcision was the entrance into salvation. How many of y'all know that we got saved by the grace of Jesus Christ? It wasn't anything we did on the outside that saved us or justified us. It was Jesus who died on the cross, rose from the grave. He died for our sins. He took every sin you've committed that the whole world has committed. It is grace that has saved you. But these guys came in and they began to stir up, stir up this angry accusation. They said, these new Gentiles aren't really saved. These Gentiles must be circumcised through the Mosaic way. And Paul and Barnabas were on their feet at once in fierce protest. Paul was ready to fight. And the church decided to resolve the matter by sending Paul, Barnabas, and a few others to put it before the apostles and the leaders in Jerusalem. So it's about to go down in Jerusalem. It's, I mean, there's about to be a church board meeting with all the church members present. They are about to duke it out to decide what's going to happen with these new members that are joining the church. After they were sent off and on their way, they told everyone they met as they traveled through the towns about the breakthrough that God was bringing to the non-Jewish outsiders. Everyone who heard the news was cheering it on. It was terrific news. 
When they got to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were graciously received by the whole church, including the apostles and the leaders. And they reported on their recent mission trip how God had used them to open things up for the outsiders. But some Pharisees stood up to say their peace. They had become believers, but continued to hold to the hard party line of the Pharisees. You have to circumcise these pagan converts. You must make them keep the entire law of Moses. And the apostles and the leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. And the arguments went on and on, kind of like your drive on the way to church this morning, back and forth, kind of like last night between you and your wife, back and forth. And it got more and more heated, kind of like it was between you and your son. It got heated as they kept on arguing with each other. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, speak to us about what you want us to know from your word. Lord, I thank you, God, that you would confirm your word this morning, God, with signs, wonders, and miracles. Lord, let us leave today refreshed by the word of God, encouraged by the word of God, revived by the presence of God. Lord, I pray that you would show us the boundaries in scripture that you've called us to live by, that you've called us to walk by. And Lord, anything that has become a barrier to the blessing and the breakthrough that you're trying to bring into our lives, I pray that today we would break up the barriers, God, that we would break up with fear, that we would break up, God, with religious spirits, that we would break up, God, with attitudes and things we've been holding on to that are holding us back from seeing your breakthrough in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Thank you, Carlos. Everybody say boundaries, barriers, and breakups. So Paul had grown up in the Pharisee traditions. His mom and dad were both Pharisees, and he was raised really by a group of people. One of his teachers was Gamaliel, and Gamaliel was someone who studied the Torah for a living. He literally, he knew all 613 laws that Moses had commanded. And the Pharisees, they didn't just abide by the boundaries. They prided themselves by the boundaries that Moses had written out and how they didn't do certain things that other people did. I mean, they wouldn't eat certain foods that you and I would eat. They wouldn't drink certain things that you and I would drink. They wouldn't cut their hair. If you've cut your hair recently, you've already lost against the Pharisees. If, I mean, there was, I mean, piercings to everything that you can imagine, they had a boundary for it. They had boundaries for the bathroom. We need boundaries for the bathroom. But I mean, I mean, they had boundaries for, you know, where to go, when to go, how to go. I mean, everything. And, and there is a need for boundaries in our life. We're in a society where there is so much lawlessness, right? People just doing whatever they want to do. And we need boundaries. How many of y'all would agree? We need boundaries. How many of y'all use the bumper lanes when you go bowling? You know, you know, and it keeps your ball focused on the right pins, we need boundaries for parenting. We need boundaries for marriage. We need boundaries for leaders. We need boundaries in our society. We need the Ten Commandments. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. We need boundaries. But what happens when boundaries get so intense that what was once supposed to keep you focused on the right lane puts you in a box and no one can get in and no one can get out. 
I've seen this before um, in situations and in, in friendships and, 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 and seeing this even when I was in school, when I was younger, where there was this one mom who said, my son will never have a cell phone. My son will never spend the night at someone else's house. My son will never date a girl. My son, and it was like so many boundaries. And so this, this boy, he wasn't allowed to go to birthday parties. He wasn't allowed to hang out with friends. And, and what was supposed to, at one time when he was younger, protect him became a barrier for relational community became a barrier for who he was called to be to the point where once he turned 19, he busted out of there and he lost, his mom lost her relationship with, his, with her son because she had boxed him in instead of creating boundaries that would bring him towards a blessed life, the boundaries became so pharisaical that it became a barrier, a barrier for who he was called to be. Can I teach a little bit this morning? What happens when boundaries become barriers? I want you to just think about that. Where in my life, where in your life, where in our nation, where have we seen where boundaries become barriers for the breakthrough? This is what had happened to the church. Peter had even created so many boundaries that he would not even eat at a home of a non-Jewish person. How many all in the room are non-Jews, non-physical Jews? That would be the majority of Christians in America. Uh, are, in fact, there's 2 billion professing Christians around the world, and 95% of them are most likely non-physical Jews. So when that breakthrough happened, before it happened, there was a group of believers that were Jewish believers, and they had boxed themselves in. Not only had they put themselves in a box, they had put God in a box. They had put boundaries around who God could save. Well, God can't save her. God can't save him. God, God only created this Christian salvation message just for us, their boundaries had become a barrier for the church to see a breakthrough. And in order for the breakthrough to happen, Paul the apostle was challenging the church. Hey guys, we need the 10 commandments. But what we don't need is all these other rules that are pushing out the next generation from coming into the church. And if we don't learn how to break up with some man-made traditions. How many traditions do we hold on to that aren't God-made, that are man-made? How many sacred cows have we lifted up in Tulsa, Jerusalem, and said, this is how church is supposed to be, and if it's not like this, it's not Jesus. Well, hold up, what if Jesus is moving in a new way in that 13-year-old's life who's on TikTok? What if God is doing something for, oh, no, no, God's not on TikTok, God's not on TV, you know what? There was a lot of Christians in the 50s who were totally against television. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't have anything to do with it. And then Oral Roberts came along. He said, we're going to bring Jesus through the television. And we're going to interrupt the religious spirits who have said God can't move through the television. And what happened? Millions of people have found Jesus through TV. What happened? They had to break some, some boundaries that had become a barrier for the church. And this is where Acts 15 is. I remember going to preach in Dominican Republic. Um, this was 15 years ago. And I was a leader for a team. And y'all, we were doing chants. We were laughing. We got off the bus. We were, we were kind of moving and grooving. We were dancing and we were laughing and we were smiling. And then we did dramas. And then we preached this message. And the sermon, I, in the sermon, I had a baseball bat. And I talked about how Jesus hit a home run for you. And, and 
After the service, I had noticed there was a group of pastors that did not want to move through the whole church service. They were sitting there. It was stiff, suits and ties and nice shoes and hair combed over to the side. And it was, it was intense. And I could just feel they are not liking this baseball message about Jesus. And they are not liking the dances and they're not liking the drive. Like I could just feel, I didn't want to assume, but I could feel this, this side over here is not happy. Nothing against your side, but I'm just saying that side in Dominican Republic was not happy. Afterwards, one of the youth pastors came up to me and he said, tonight was a breakthrough. I said, really? I could feel it on this side. I wasn't sure if I could feel it on. He said, our city has been trapped in religious spirits. And he said, so many of teenagers and young adults have stopped going to church because it has become so intensely rigid. And he said, "Uh, we are losing a generation in Dominican Republic, in this part of Dominican Republic. But he said, tonight, something happened. He said, you guys were having fun. He said, we're not used to seeing Christians have fun. I said, really? I said, following Jesus is not not supposed to always be a drudgery like we're going to a funeral every Sunday, like we're just angry and mad and sad and God's dead. No, God is alive. My God is alive. And, And he said, yes. And he said, so many people have not accepted God, not because they don't want to, but because they've been pushed out by religion. They've been pushed out by old traditions. And he said, if they don't come in with a three-piece suit, and if they're not dressed right, and if they don't come in, you know, and, and it's all stiff, and there's no charismatic worship, there's no expression of joy. You know, some people are like, I got the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And, and he said, you know, these people say they have joy, but there's no joy in their life. And he said, tonight, you showed us what joy looks like. You showed us what uh, lively, like Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But I love the message version. The message version says, I will build a church so full of life, so full of Holy Spirit empowered energy. Y'all, Jesus is coming back, not for a weak church, not for a dead church, not for a lukewarm church, not for a church that's always going to a, like a funeral as if God's, Jesus is coming back for a church that is alive, that is awake, that is joyful, that is hopeful, that is expectant. Maranatha, he is coming back soon. And if we're not careful, we create so many barriers where people don't find that kind of Jesus. And we go, hey, we've got to keep it, got to keep it really intense here. Paul, don't have too much fun on stage. No more props, okay? We just need to keep it really, needs to be tight. And we need to be out of here by 1030 because God wants us at Applebee's. You know, we got to get to, don't have these hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. You're just taking it too far, Paul. Church is just getting too little. She's like, we need to come back. But God will not be in a box. God will not be in a box of tradition made by man. And he will not be in, be in a box made by Pharisees. See, God, the Holy Spirit was flowing in the book of Acts. And Paul and Barnabas said, hold on. Hold on here. Jesus saved us by grace. He saved us by grace. In other words, he allowed us to follow after him before we had cleaned up our lives. When Jesus called his disciples to follow after him, did he say, I need you to make sure you follow all 613 of Moses' commandments and then you could come after me? No, he said, come after me. Come follow me. And how many of y'all know that the disciples who followed Jesus, they were imperfect people, right? I mean, we're talking about Peter who cut a dude's ear off 
after three years of hearing Jesus preach about turning the other cheek, he still hasn't gotten it. He didn't cut a dude's ear off in the first year of ministry. This was three years into seminary, and he's still cutting a guy's ear off. What I'm trying to say is the people who followed Jesus, they were imperfect. Jesus said, you can belong before you behave. Religion says, you better get your act together before you can come into our circle. You can't come into our circle of boundaries until you behave right. But Jesus says, hold up. You come in here and I will clean you up. I will clean. See, it's not clean up and then you can come. It's come and I will clean you. It's belong even before you believe. Did you know the disciples, they struggled with belief even while they were following Jesus? Don't believe me? Read the scriptures. Lord, help me with my unbelief. How many of y'all know there was a doubter in the group? Thomas. He wasn't the only one. He's just the one that got labeled the doubter. There were skeptics. There were people who questioned whether Jesus was supposed to go to the cross. There were people who still didn't believe he was going to raise from the dead until after he did it. There were people who followed Jesus that struggled with belief, struggled with behavior, but Jesus didn't kick them out of the group, and he's not going to kick you out of the group, and he's not going to make all these hoops and ladders and say, you got to cross these T's, dot these I's, jump through these hoops, follow all of these things, and then you can be saved. No, he says, you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is what the book of Acts is all about. It's about a church that's breaking down religious, religiously transmitted diseases. And it's bringing healing to a world that has been afraid to step foot in the temple. A world, a generation who has said, is God for me? Is God really for sinner? Does God really love me? What if I don't know it all? What if I haven't figured it all out? And this is where Paul and, and Barnabas start talking. In fact, Peter takes the floor. Look at this in verse six. Then Peter took the floor. And he says, friends, you well know that from early on, God made it quite plain that he wanted the pagans to hear the message of this good news and embrace it. And not in any secondhand or roundabout way, but firsthand, straight from my mouth. So Peter said, I had a revelation that Jesus loves not just Jews, but Gentiles too. And God, who can't be fooled by any pretense on our part, you can pretend to have it all together, but God knows your heart. He knows you don't have it all together. And he says, he knows a person's thoughts. He gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles exactly as he gave to us, there is no junior varsity Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that's moving in the adult service is right now moving in children's church. It's Y'all, I was, I was reading a, a revival piece this last week, an article about a kid who was 10 years old who brought revival to a nation. And thousands of people got saved through this kid. I forget his name, but while he was, in, while he was 10 years old, right now we got a lot of 10-year-olds that are just, you know, playing Minecraft and... <laughs> And, 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 and yet, can I tell you, God wants to bring the Holy Spirit to your 10-year-old, to your 7-year-old, to your 6-year-old, and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on them just like he was poured out on us, and he treated the outsiders exactly as he treated us, beginning at the very center of who they were. Here's, here's what he did. He didn't clean up the outside first. He started with their heart. He didn't say, do all of this, and then you can get in, and then you're a real Christian, and then we know that you've been sanctified it says he started with their heart. He began to work on the inside. 
He began to work from the inside out, at the very center of who they were, working from the center outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed in him. So why, he says in verse 10, so why are we now trying to out-God God? I love that line right there. Why are we trying to out-God God? Who in your life are you trying to out-God God? Are you trying to change them instead of letting God change them? Who are we trying to play the part of God over and go, if I could just do what I want to do? God says, that is my son. That's my daughter. Trust me that I'm working in his life. Trust me that I'm working in her life. See, the Pharisees, they wanted to control whether someone would look clean or act clean. They wanted to dictate someone's behavior. But Paul and Barnabas said, hold up. That's not how we get sanctified. It's not by Pharisees pressuring us to do what's right. It's by the Holy Spirit working. You don't want to pressure someone to do what's right and, and wonder, are they doing what's right from the right heart? You want to know God is working in and through their heart from the right motives. They are learning to become more like Jesus. And then he says, why are we loading down these new believers with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us to. Daniel, can I borrow you just for a moment? Anytime I have an illustration, I love picking Daniel Henshaw. He's a mighty man. I got, give Daniel a big hand. Daniel, I want you to carry as much of these, as much of these, we're going to call them rules as possible, and just start stacking them up. And this is, this is what Peter was saying. He's saying, why are we trying to load down these new believers with so many things there we go you're going to do it you're going to be saved through this this is this is what determines whether you are justified right here you got it okay get some right here you're going to have to pinch that there and another one and let's get a couple more up here. And do we got it? We might have to help them. Okay, there we go. Got it? Oh, man. All right, we'll leave it right there. And this, this is what Peter says. He says, we can't do this. We can't keep doing Like, we're not able to do all this. Can I tell you a funny story? Daniel, just stay right there for a moment. y'all have ever felt like you were loaded down with too many rules to be able to understand if you're doing it right? Half of us in the room. Okay. When, <laughs> when I was, when I was 12 years old, I remember my, you know, <laughs> my, <laughs> I was just going to have some fun a little bit, but my dad, he, uh, he my, my dad is my hero. He was my pastor. He's the one who built, he pioneered victory in 1981. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him and mom's faithfulness and obedience to follow Jesus and with the vision God dropped in their heart. But I remember my dad said, we are not watching anything that's not a PG movie. If it's not PG, we're not watching it. And then the passion of the Christ came out. And I remember asking my dad, I said, dad, are we going to, are we going to go see the new Jesus movie? He goes, oh yeah. I go, dad, it's rated R. He goes, oh no. And he goes, I already rented a theater for our whole staff to go see it. And he started thinking if he should cancel the, the, the theater. And I said, dad, it's okay. I don't think we're going to go to hell for seeing this R rated movie. And he said, yeah, just, it goes against, here's what happens when we create so many rules that are at times, possibly unnecessary, it can get in the way. 
And, and that's a funny example, and you go, yeah, but that's probably the only R-rated movie you're allowed to see. But here's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we are so focused on this that we're missing the big picture. I remember my dad sitting down with me, he said, I'm glad we went and saw that. He said it was, at first it was a little uncomfortable to see a movie that had the, the letter R on the poster. And, to, and people knew that I, Billy Joe Darty, went to a R. I said, Dad, it's okay, it's about Jesus. You know, and he said, yeah, you're right. But I remember having this conversation with my dad. I remember when we went to go see a, a PG-13 movie. Don't get, don't cancel Billy Joe, don't cancel us. But I remember we went, we went to see this movie called China Cry. Y'all remember China Cry? It was like a missionary movie. And I, I mean, like we would go and see like the good missionary Christian Omega Code, you know, left behind. But um, anyways, I remember do, doing this and I remember there was this, it was like we were torn. And this is what was happening in Dominican Republic with some of these, I remember going to Malawi in 2009 and, and we were preaching to these pastors and they were saying, we have been told that you always have to do this this way in order for God to accept you. That if you, if you don't wear a suit, you're not loved by God. If you're not in a full-on dress with no makeup on, no earrings, God doesn't love you. God began to break religious spirits when I was in Malawi. And I remember seeing just a joy and a, it was like life was entering back. Some of us have been raised in a way that says, if you don't do this, God's not for you. He doesn't love Can I tell you today, it's okay to let go of that just for a second, Daniel. Real life change. Some of y'all are like, should we clap? I don't know. Are we really set? Who saved you? Did you save yourself? Who sanctifies you? Are you sure it's not you? It's Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing. When I'm saved by the grace of Jesus, he begins to show me the road that I'm called to walk down. And instead of trying to carry a burden, a load, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He shows me how to follow after him. It's an organic change that begins to happen in my heart. The organic Christianity, it flows from a work of the Holy Spirit versus a work of trying to be exactly like the Pharisees pressured us to be. This is what Peter was trying to get to the church that day. It's time for us to come back to the main thing. And what's the main thing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's always been, thank you, Daniel. It's always been Jesus. So can I continue on just for a moment? He says, don't we believe, don't we believe, let's throw that scripture up there. Don't we believe that we are saved because the master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity, he moved from heaven to earth to save us on the cross. This is the gospel right here that I didn't save us. An institution didn't save us. A governor didn't save us. A pilot didn't save us. A Pharisee didn't know we were saved by Jesus Christ. And he did it for not just us, but for all nations who put their faith in him. And then Peter says this, what are we arguing about? I Googled, uh, my, my, well, I asked my friend Juan to Google. I said, how many denominations are there? 45,000 denominations. 45,000 denominations around the world. The church has gotten focused on arguing over so many petty things. And if we just come back to what is the main thing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We gather for Jesus. We worship Jesus. We live for Jesus. Jesus sanctifies us. He justifies us. He forgives us of our sins. He redeems us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And when I, when I let Jesus save me and change me, 
He begins to show me how to live a life that's pleasing to him. And instead of feeling like every week, I got to get saved again. I got to get saved again. I got to get saved. I had a bad thought. I got to get saved. I lost my salvation this week. No, no, no. There is, there, it's, it, there is a safety in knowing that I have put my faith in Jesus Christ and he has saved me and he has redeemed me and he has forgiven me and he has called me his own. How many are thankful you're saved by Jesus Christ? And I know this might feel elementary to some of us this morning. We're going, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I just wonder if sometimes we find ourselves in this moment right here that the, the church was in. And it says there was dead silence that day. No one said a word. The room was quiet. Barnabas and Paul reported matter-of-factly on the miracles, wonders that God had done among other nations through their ministry. The silence deepened. You could hear a pin drop. Not a Spider-Man pin, but you could hear. You could hear a pin drop. James broke the silence. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He says, friends, listen. Simon has told us the story of how God, at the very outset, made sure that racial outsiders were included. This is in perfect agreement with the words of the prophets. After this, I'm coming back. I'll rebuild David's ruined house. I'm putting all the pieces together again. And I want to speak this prophetically over your life, over this nation, over the nations of the earth. God is putting his pieces back together again. You may not see it yet, but God sees a big picture. He's bringing prodigal sons and prodigal daughters and families and, and couples. He's bringing all the pieces together again. He says, I'm going to make all things new. And outsiders will seek and they will find and they will have a place to come to. They will belong in the house of the Lord and pagan people will be included in what God is doing. And God said it and he's doing it. It's no afterthought. He's always known that he was going to do this. I want the band to come out. So here's my decision. Here's the conclusion, James says. We're not going to unnecessarily burden non-Jewish people who turn to the master. I love the NIV version. He says this. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. It's my judgment that we should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. And then he says, we're going to write them a letter. And we're going to, we're going to take all 613... Now, love God, love people. That's what Jesus commanded in the New Testament. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. When Jesus showed up, he didn't say, Moses' law is erased. He said, I'm summing up all the commandments with these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie. You're not going to steal. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to do all the things. So Jesus summed it up. He says, if you love God, love people, you can fulfill that right there. Love fulfills the law. But then James says, we're going to give them three commandments here. One, have nothing to do with any activity connected with idols. We're going to tear down idols idols, idolatry. We're going to guard the morality of sex and marriage, and we're not going to serve food that's offensive to Jewish Christians, blood, for instance. Now, he wasn't saying you can't eat the meat. He says, don't do something that's going to cause an offense with one of your brothers or sisters. Guard the unity of the house. Guard the unity of the church. This is basic wisdom, James said, for Moses, preached and honored for centuries now in city after city as we have met and kept the Sabbath. So I need your help this morning. I want you to do something with me. Just, you know, put your Bible down, your pen down. I want you to go like this. Just start rubbing your hands together. That sounds good. You hear that? Now do this. 
Just close your eyes. Just listen to that. Okay, open your eyes. Now, Pat. We just made it rain right here at Victory. Y'all are like, what is going on? We just made it rain. Did y'all hear the rain? Do you want to hear it again? Let's, let's make it rain again. We just made it rain again right here. I'm praying for rain this week. But here's why I do. Because when we get focused on doing something together, we can make it rain. We can, like the God wants to bring a latter rain that is greater than a former rain. God wants to pour out his spirit on all sons and daughters. God wants, there is a harvest. I was texting a pastor this morning in McAllister, Oklahoma, and he said, Paul, I just sense there's a harvest of souls ready to come into the kingdom of God like never before. There is a rain of God's favor that wants to be poured out in his church and through his church and on his people, a rain of his favor, his grace, his mercy, his salvation for family members and prodigal sons. But when we are in a divided state, we don't get to see the power of that unified. What we just did, it took all of us working together, all of us doing our part, and the rain began to pour. Here's what happens when the church is willing to break through some barriers, to break through, and they didn't lose boundaries. In fact, they strengthened the right boundaries. They strengthened the core boundaries. They said, we gotta keep things that are right, right but we've got to make room for this next wave of believers that are coming into the house of God to find Jesus through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so they begin to break up with some old traditions. And what happened was there was a breakthrough. When you break up with fear, you get a breakthrough of faith. When you break up with old, stale religious spirits, you get a breakthrough of a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what God is wanting to do, I believe, in his church. Number one, he's trying to bring divine unity. Unity, unity. There's a unity that happened in Acts 15. They all came around the main thing. They unified again. Acts 15 was a turning point for the church. Gentiles from all over the world were gonna come in because of the unity that flowed. Where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing. Some of us have been in arguments. We've been in disputes. And what's interesting is Paul and Barnabas, they are pleading for the church to get unified. But by the end of Acts 15, they separate. They're working really hard to bring a unity. Watch what happens at the end of Acts 15. I want to skip down there. It says, um, let's, let's go down to the last very end of it. Verse, verse 36. Barnabas after a few days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and let's visit our old friends and let's go preach the word of God in those old towns. Let's see how they're doing. But Barnabas wanted to take John along. John was nicknamed Mark. Paul wouldn't want, Paul didn't want to have anything to do with Mark. Paul was, he says, it's gonna, I don't want to take along someone who left us when we needed him the most. I don't want to take, uh, I, John Mark left when we needed him. And as soon as the going got tough, he was out. He jumped ship on us. And so Paul was hurt by the abandonment of 
John Mark, and tempers flared up. Look at this, verse 37. Some of y'all can relate right here. You're like, I feel that, Paul the Apostle. Tempers flared up, and they ended. There, there was a breakup. It's not you, it's me. I was looking at breakup lines the other night. It's not you, it's me. I need to work on myself. I don't feel we're going in the same direction. I'm not ready. We're too different. A relationship shouldn't be this difficult. I don't see this going anywhere. I'm dating God now. I don't think we, we bring the best out in each other. And there was a breakup between Paul and Barnabas. Paul took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark. Here's the beautiful thing. Even in that breakup of the friendship, God was gonna bring those friends back together again. It would be years down the road that God would do this, a reconciliation. But God still moved through Paul and Silas. God would move through his church. God moves even when humans make bad moves. God still makes a good move. How many are thankful that God can make a good move even through your bad move? Half of us in the room. <laughs> so here the church gets unified around something good. Secondly, there's a harmony that happens. There's a harmony. They begin singing. Harmony is, is bringing all the parts together. There's the alto, the soprano, the tenor, the bass. And when all the vocal parts are working together, there's a beautiful harmony. There's a sound. Can I tell you, God's about to bring a new sound through the church. Someone showed me a song a couple years ago, three and a half years ago. They said, listen to this song. It was a 17 minute long song. I was like, this is too long to listen to. But they said, just listen to it. I'm listening to it. And they said, it's a worship song. I was like, this doesn't sound like a worship song. It was going all over the place. It was beautiful, but it was just, there was so many different lyrics and lines and I couldn't follow it. And they said, God's doing a new thing in worship. So I looked up the artist of this song and they had like 2000 followers on social media. I said, I don't know if this is gonna go anywhere. Their name was Maverick City. And three and a half years ago, no one had heard of Maverick City. In 2018, tw tw the end of 2017, 2018, they were just starting and they were bringing a fresh sound. Today, they've won so many awards and, and all different music and their songs are being sung all over the world. But it was different when I first heard it. Can I tell you, God has a different, new, fresh sound in 2022. I believe victory worship. I believe in your business. I believe God has something fresh. Here's the third thing, synergy. God was synergizing the church for an attack on the kingdom of darkness. Synergy, it was a collective effort of everybody's actions working together. When the church came together, there was a synergized effort and revival broke out. So here's my challenge for us this morning. As we're reading through the book of Acts, we really need to break up with some attitudes. We need to break up with some mindsets, some things in our life that we have allowed to sit. I remember several years ago, I was sitting in a church service and Jensen Franklin was preaching. And he shared this story about the Mississippi River. True story, Mississippi River would flow past this town called Rodney, Mississippi. 100 years ago, Rodney was a, a life-giving town. They had churches, restaurants, hotels, businesses. Everybody wanted to move to Rodney, Mississippi. It was the little gulf of the Mississippi. And Rodney was blowing up. In fact, they were gonna turn it into the capital of Mississippi. Um, but something slowly began to happen. While nobody was paying attention, there was debris that began to build up in the river. See, the whole city was built on the river. And about a mile outside of Rodney, debris began to build up and blocking the water, blocking the water from flowing towards the city. And it began to, it was a little bit of silt, dirt, then it was sticks, it was mud, it was rocks. And as it got thicker and thicker, it created a dam. And it diverted the water away from Rodney, 
over the course of 25 years, that river that once used to flow right through Rodney, Mississippi, it moved two miles away from the city. And where there was once water right next to restaurants and hotels and churches, now it was a dry riverbed, dried up. The picture behind me is the Dead Sea. Nothing alive lives in it. There's, there's no living thing in the Dead Sea. It's literally just a dead body of water. Nothing flows in, nothing flows out. Miles away from the Dead Sea is the Jordan River. The Jordan River is one of the prettiest areas in Israel. It just flows, and on both sides of the Jordan River, there's trees, there's vegetation, there's life. It's green. It's, it's like a tree planted by rivers of living water. It's flowing. It's growing. It's vibrant. It's moving. What happens when we allow things to build up is we block the river that wants to flow, that God wants to flow fresh things. See, the church had gotten in a, a buildup of a place. It had, it had literally created this blockage where there was no life flowing until Peter, James, Paul, Barnabas said, hold on, God's ready to do something fresh. It's time to break up this blockage. It's time to break up the barriers. And this morning, I really want to encourage you that there's some things in your life that you need to break up, some stuff that's been blocking barriers that have built up in your heart and your mind from what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this next season. And I believe he wants to do something that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived. I want you to stand to your feet all over this place. Right now, if you wouldn't mind, just closing your eyes and just allow God to search your heart and say, Lord, have I become burdened, weighed down, by the cares of life, the pressure of people, maybe traditions, things that I have been holding on to. Maybe it is hurts, wounds. Maybe it's ideas, opinions. It's like, if I can't let go of that opinion, how am I supposed to move forward? But God says, the only way to move forward is to let go of that opinion. The only way to move towards the blessing is to break down the barriers that are blocking what God wants to do. Once the church did this, as they begin to break up those barriers, Literally, there was a revival that broke out. Millions of Gentiles began to turn to Jesus. Pagans who had worshiped idols began tearing down idols and running towards Jesus. The church exploded with growth. Fresh songs were written. New sounds began to come. I believe God wants to bring a new sound in our church, new songs. God's saying, don't, don't be obsessed with how the past was because I got something great. Don't regurgitate what you heard years ago. It's time for a new song, a new sound. It's time for a fresh wave of revival. It's time to see what God wants to do in and through his church today. Yeah, today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today you break up with fear. Today you say goodbye shame. I am breaking up with shame. I was looking, <laughs> I was looking online at breakup lines and one of the big famous ones is, it's not you, it's me. When you get ready for a break, it's not you, it's me. I gotta work on some stuff. We're not going in the same direction. Things aren't working out. This is what you need to say to that spirit of fear that has been messing with you. It is you, it's not me, and I am kicking fear out today. We're not going in the same direction anymore. Shame, you've gotta go. Goodbye, shame. Goodbye, fear. 
goodbye every spirit that's holding me back from the Holy Spirit that wants to work in me and through me. God, I belong to you. I'm adopted in your family. Spirit of rejection, spirit of abandonment, spirit of offense, anger, bitterness, spirit of sin, spirit of sickness. Lord, today I am breaking up with everything that's holding me back from what you want to do in me and through me. I just, I feel like this is an altar call to say goodbye to some stuff that has been holding you back. Some of you in this room today, God's saying it's time to break down those barriers. It's time to lift up spirit-led boundaries and break down every man-made thing that's holding you back. Everything that you've allowed the enemy to build up. Everything you've allowed yourself, your opinion, your ways. Today, you're saying, God, I want you. Lord, today, fear is not my future. You are God. Heartbreak is not my home. You are God. So today, from the front to the back, if you're here right now, and you say, there are some things that I need to break up. There are some things, there are some barriers that I need the Holy Spirit to tear down in me today, in my mind, in my heart. I want you to lift your hand up from the front to the back. And if you raised your hand or you need to get down to this altar, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar. For some of you, it's just the cares of life. It's the burdens and the pressures that you've been holding on to. You've been trying to balance it all. And God says, I want you to lay that at my feet. I'm ready. Listen, today God says, I want you to start walking in the grace of God. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He says, bring down all those cares and allow the grace of God to cleanse you to set you free, to empower you, to lead you into a life of victory. Let's just begin to sing that song, Lamar. Let's just begin to worship all over this place this morning. Your way is better. Your way is better. 
reading the end of Acts 15, I was, I was kind of sad for Paul and Barnabas because they had such a strong friendship. And when they separated, it was over a, a, a moment of anger. It was tempers flared up. They ended going their separate ways. And last night, Ash and I, we were talking about this passage. And she said, do you think Paul was right in this? Do you think Barnabas was right? I said, I don't know. But I said, here's what I do know. God still made a good move even out of their bad move. And he later restored and reconciled the relationship with, between Paul and Barnabas, John, Mark, Silas, they all. And here's what I know for some of you. Some of you have made a bad move, but God can make a good move even through your bad. God, we serve a God who knows how to work good things even out of the bad things. In Acts 16, I mean, it's like this, you can't stop God. You can't, like God is going to work in your life. He's gonna work if you will just keep coming to him and saying, Lord, I trust you. Break down every stronghold. I was, I was, as I was praying, I just felt like someone in the room, you have been in an abusive, toxic situation, and it has been hurting you. It's been um, damaging your mind, your heart, and God says, I am breaking that off. I am breaking that up, and I am setting you free for the grace to flow in you and through you. God is leading you from a dead sea into a Jordan River. And he says, I'm going to bring life through you. I'm going to bring life through your witness, through your story, through your testimony. For some of us in this room today, God says, I am rewriting some things in your mind and heart. I am changing some things. I'm breaking some stuff off, some molds that have been sitting in your mind, some attitudes, some debris that's been building up. God says, I'm about to break down barriers that you have built up or that others have built up. And today, there is a river of life that's flowing. God says, I'm leading you from depression to victory. I'm leading you out of fear into faith. I'm leading you out of shame into forgiveness and grace. I'm leading you out of a place of being in prison into a free place. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray right now over every person in this room. God, that what you, what you did in Acts 15, that you would do in our hearts and lives. God, that you would shift us internally. God, that there's things that you want to, Lord, begin to change in our hearts, our minds, God, for the better, for, for something great that you want to do in us and through us. So, Lord, we just say, have your way, God. Move in us and through us. Have your way. Fear is not my future. You are. Lord, I just pray for anyone in this room today, God, that you're saving, you are forgiving, you are restoring, you're redeeming. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of my sin, and I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Have your way in my life. 
in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.